my my mom does that. She'll message me on Facebook and she'll be like, yo, it's mom. And I'm like, yes, I know. I see. It's you talking <laughs> to me. My mom signs her <laughs> post. imagine if that's how messages did work, though? If you just got like a completely blank <laughs> message. You like, don't know who totally it's from. anonymous message you had to announce yourself. <laughs> Welcome to Riffin' on the Rift, an infrequent and often unscheduled companion podcast to What's in the Rift. Welcome everybody to Riffin' on the Rift. I am Josh Burgess, your host. Joining me tonight is Ryan Daler, who plays Court Farouk on What's in the Rift. Also with us today is Yolandi Hamilton, Patty Hamilton, and Summer Schlenker, from the cast of What's in the Rift. Ryan, thank you for joining us today. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about the world from which Court hails. So the world that Court comes from is very similar to the world we're in now, minus one relatively big difference. Uh, sleep is not something that you can easily mess with in Court's world. It is a pretty firm rule of nature. In what sense? Everyone has to have a certain amount of sleep every single day based on how old you are. Otherwise, you experience severe uh, physical conditions. Based on how old you are, like babies sleep all day long or? Uh, actually, the opposite. Um, really? So, oh, yes. Uh, a newborn baby requires absolutely zero sleep. That sounds like absolute hell. <laughs> oh, I can make it worse. As you get older, you require more and more sleep. So try and imagine being a parent in, I don't know, your 40s and requiring a good 10 hours of sleep every night while having a newborn that never does sleep. I don't have to imagine that hard. I'm not that far off. Oh. (laughs) How does that work? I I imagine that somebody needs to be awake with a newborn unless they just, you know, cage them for those hours that they're asleep. So... There's actually a whole new profession that came out of necessity in this world, which is uh, a form of babysitting where you would have young adults or in sometimes even preteens who would go through pretty rigorous training from a younger age in order to look after children because they can stay late, awake for longer. Interesting. Interesting. What happens, though, if you're unable to acquire those services? Let's say that I didn't have somebody available to watch my kid. Could I force my way through needing the sleep? Technically speaking, you could. While sleep is mandatory, it is something that you technically can push off. Uh, Not for long periods of time, mind you. But if you had to stay awake for something, you can keep yourself awake And those people who tend to do so for, um, let's say, recreational purposes are called sleepwalkers. Can you elaborate what you mean by recreational purposes? So if you stay awake past when you should be, you start to experience symptoms such as hallucinations, lightheadedness, a sense of euphoria, actually. Uh, This is your body trying to cope with the fact that it's not getting what it requires to survive. So how does that relate back to court? How does court operate within the bounds of this world? Court has some problems, especially problems at home that she has to deal with uh, or in the sense is running away from. So she uses sleep deprivation as a way to kind of escape reality and the constant worry that has loomed over her life. That need to escape reality comes up 
almost thematically in the story that we're attempting to tell with what's in the rift. Give me an example of how Court would use the lack of sleep to escape reality. Well, Court is one that tends to worry a decent amount, mostly about how people perceive her and the ties that she's made with people around her, which can become kind of stressful when it's on your mind constantly. Whenever Court uses sleep deprivation, she generally will try to find an area that is brightly lit, colorful, relaxing, or exciting music, really depending on how she's feeling at the time, and keep herself awake. This lets her focus on what's going on around her and kind of pushes out those thoughts that seem to kind of constrict her mind. So how taboo is this type of activity? Would there be, say, I don't know, similar to a bar, a place where you could go and get overstimulated to avoid sleep? Uh, So it's a little bit more taboo than drinking is in our world. Um, It's looked at almost like if you had a drug den. While drugs in court's world are typically less prominent due to the fact that sleep deprivation is free, uh, and as a result, uh, the government at least where court lives, has tried to crack down with either propaganda or, in some cases, forced hospitalization of individuals that tend to not sleep as much. I have to wonder, are there stimulants in her world? There are, uh, such as caffeine, which is probably the largest one. And in minor cases, there are a little bit more heavy-duty ones, but most people can keep themselves awake via caffeine or pushing past what's called the wall, where You start to get extremely tired, but if you can get past that point, the euphoria kicks in and you can stay awake until, well, dawn or later. I have so many questions. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, yes. First of all, Mm -hmm. children who don't require sleep is the, like, the biggest nightmare I think I've ever heard in my whole life. Second of all, how does this impact different classes of people like wealthy people obviously have someone that or have the the resources that they can hire like one of these sitters you talked about but someone who is like a single mom working a minimum wage job all by themselves you know they're the only one there to take care of this child so like how how do people like that get by it's a very good question that's when it starts getting a little bit iffy for those people if they have friends or family that can help kind of take the burden off of them, especially those who are younger, uh, they'll turn to them. And there are some community outreach programs where people can get kind of subsidized babysitting to help out. But if you don't qualify for that or it's just you're unable to get to a facility and get them to your house, a lot of times you're going to have to end up staying up, which can be disastrous for your health. So it sounds a little bit like the behavior that the poor are forced into then is criminalized, which mm-hmm. uh, sounds an awful lot like the place we're from. I don't want to talk about that. Right. That's what I was just going to say. Does that mean that children are taken away from parents who are considered sleepwalkers because like they're sleepwalking out of necessity to take care of their kid, and, but then have these adverse effects and I don't know, do weird shit? Exactly. Child Protective Services has its own department that is dedicated to sleepwalkers. Oh, that's so fucked up. Yep. (laughs) Put in a position that you can't control and then having what you care about taken away from you. Well, that makes me want to cry. It really seems like it would benefit you to store up as much sleep as possible, huh? There is a opposite 
effect that can happen if you sleep too much. Oh. Uh, and it's less mental instead of your body kind of using this euphoria. If you sleep too much, your cells will actually regenerate and multiply rapidly and can cause a number of different cancers. So there is what? a downside if you sleep too mi- uh, too much. That's crazy. Wow. That seems like it's got to be a lot more dangerous for poor folks in this world than even our own. Uh, it actually is. People in that position where they can't get help to take care of their children uh, are actually put in a very tight spot where they either choose, their, in a lot of cases, their own life or their child's life. Where if they can't stay awake, sometimes the kid will end up rolling over or have an accident and, well. And yeah. here I thought we were going to have a lighter one this time mm-hmm. around. Damn. <laughs> the court's world's not the most fun. You know, it's weird because, like, on the surface, most of our worlds sound like, oh, that's interesting. That's kind of great. But then when you really dive into, like, the specifics of what's happening in each of our worlds, it's really dark and fucked up. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really interesting observation, Yolandi. And the reason being is I think coming from that world you might be a little bit more culturally inured to it the same way that someone coming into our world, like say from Joseph, and they see people being locked up for minor drugs that have no no larger societal consequence and be like, wow, that is really scary. That's like a straight police state. You become desensitized to things when you're brought up in that culture, when you're exposed to it on an everyday basis. So I think that for the people in these worlds, this would just seem like the way the world is, Right. And that sucks, but like, you know, you knew what was going to happen if you had a kid and really that should be something that you consider. And if you can't keep it in your pants, then maybe you shouldn't be doing that at all. We do all those things in our world right now. We just do it in ways that we're used to, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Ryan, I have questions. Yes. What's up? Do people just have kids younger? Uh, Yes, it is much more accepted to have children in actually your late teens, early 20s. People who have children in their like mid to late 30s are actually seen as taking unnecessary risks. So along those lines, is the age, like the official age of adulthood younger? Uh, yes. Adulthood actually starts at 16. Like legally an adult? Legally an adult. Uh, that's terrifying. <laughs> Third question, not related to that at all. So certain people, depending on your age, you have to sleep so many hours. Mm -hmm. So say, for example, I'm whatever age and I have to sleep 10 hours because that's a good example. Is is there like a circadian rhythm to it or does it like, you know, it hits eight o'clock and I'm out or does it depend when I woke up the night before? Can I push it an hour or two, but still get 10 hours? How does that work? Like, do you hit a certain time and just crash? Uh, Yeah, exactly. Uh, So there is a rhythm to it. So your body will essentially tell you when it is time to sleep. And if you listen to it, you will be fine. Well, for the most part. Uh, But if you decide to push past it or when your body tells you to wake up, you decide to keep sleeping, that is when the problems start to arise. Does that mean retirement age? Do people live shorter lives too? Okay, so retirement age I was kind of getting at with my circadian rhythm. Like if I feel the need to sleep at two o'clock in the afternoon, but I'm supposed to work till five, like am I just screwed or? Uh, So it tends to follow essentially our circadian rhythm now. Uh, where you are awake during the day. Uh, it is possible to shift that where you can be awake during the nighttime, but it comes to the same problems of trying to shift it that we have in real life. It takes a while. It has severe implications for your health, but in 
sports world, those health problems are amplified. So someone can become a night shift worker, but they're going to have more issues down the line than someone who does not, who norm, works normal hours. Are people natural night owls or is that not a thing in your world? Uh, that is not a thing in my world or a quartz world. So people... Is anybody a natural morning bird or <laughs> early bird? What do you call early them? Early bird. <laughs> a natural I like morning bird better. <laughs> yeah. Are they natural morning birds? Um, there really isn't natural morning birds. Um, the One of the good things is once you wake up, you are awake. There is no grogginess in the morning. There is no having to get yourself out of bed unless you wake up before when you should be awake. Sweet. So it's, it's almost like a, an on-off switch, like an almost robotic, mm-hmm. like now I'm awake and I just pop out of bed. Yep. It's like the days where you wake up and you're like, wow, I feel great. And you just kind of hop out of bed. I, I know it's far and in between nowadays. The older but I get, yeah. That's... <laughs> so with all these shifting cycles uh, of sleep and wake how do they regulate that like are there roving bands of police that are monitoring how long people are staying asleep it's not illegal to sleepwalk that's one thing i want to let people know um it is heavily scrutinized and if you become a problem they can use it as a way to detain you but if you're awake past time it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to lock you up and put you in jail so it's kind of like drinking. Like drinking's not illegal, but if I go get shit faced and do stupid shit. Yeah. Okay, so then like people people have to be less mobile, right? Like they're not moving around the world or like across country because it's going to fuck with their sleep and also like traveling. Like I can't imagine that's a a thing people like to do. Yeah, how does changing time zones work? Uh, it just comes down to your body. Uh, so if I did change time zones, like let's say I, I flew over to Europe right now there's an eight hour difference, I might just clonk out in the middle of the day over there because my body has told me it's time to sleep. And how about like law enforcement? So like you mentioned people who are awake past the time that they're supposed to be. And like if everybody is just like knocking out teenagers, law enforcement, (laughs) who's who's enforcing these laws and watching for sleepwalkers in the middle of the night? Uh, Like I said, people can change up their rhythms. So you can have people at work nighttime and night pay is significantly higher than day pay. So a police officer who works at nighttime would make sometimes double what a daytime police officer would make. So I, I need to, I think we could probably talk for another hour about all the implications of this world, but I, I need to steer it back towards court and court's place in this world. We've already established that court is a sleepwalker. Can we learn a little bit more about, you said that she had problems at home and that was why she went there. Can you tell us what problems court has and what led her to this, not life of crime per se, but this kind of darker path? Yeah. Um, so the reason for court's, um, degeneracy let's say in the eyes of society is uh court actually ended up running away or i guess it's not taking right away um leaving home around the age of 16 mm-hmm. uh due to the fact that her parents had severe issues with who court was as a person are court's parents young were they young when they had court or uh yeah they were decently young when they had court um so they're getting close to middle age uh, right now when court is in uh, her 20s. Okay. And what specifically, was there a specific event or something like that that caused court to leave? So when court transitioned from male to female uh, and became more open about it and started seeking medical assistance for the matter, that is when 
a well a rift started opening <laughs> up between her and her family. Okay, that that's fair. And what did Court do after she left home? Uh, so she wandered around for a bit, doing odd jobs, trying to essentially just kind of survive. She would end up working night shifts in order to make the money she needed. And that's when the sleepwalking started really beginning, where she found that she pushed herself more. Not only would she kind of forget her woes, but she could work for longer. She'd had to lie to get around it. But as a result, she kind of fell into that rhythm of staying awake as long as possible. Interesting. So that leads to the next question for me. Does sleepwalking have outward visible effects? Like, would you be able to tell the same way that you can tell when somebody's drunk that they're they're sleepwalking or have been? Uh, yeah, there's a few things. Uh, for the short-term um, visuals, you can actually see people walk more fluidly, almost moving in more of like a light, floaty style of walking, moving their limbs, you name it. Their head swivel is more um, almost euphoric. Okay. For the long term, though, they actually start developing bags under their eyes. And that's how people can tell that someone has been sleepwalking for a decent amount of time. There is one specific event that happens to court that kind of sends her down the path of finding the rift. Do you want to discuss that a little bit? Definitely. So in order to discuss that, I need to start off with the background of court's actual full-time job. After doing these part-time jobs and kind of moving from city to city, uh, eventually she comes across a circus uh, and ends up joining up with the circus and both making friends with the different performers and the stagehands and the ringmaster, as well as really enjoying the atmosphere and the kind of the feel that the circus provides. And with her joining the circus naturally came travel. So she got to experience different parts of, well, the United States where she lives through the eyes of a vagabond, which is something that kind of brought Court's uh, enthusiasm for life to the surface. Now, the event that led to the rift actually happened when the, um, the circus was in Nevada and Court decided to go, well, sleepwalking one night. And after experiencing the wonders, the smells, the sights, the sounds of the circus while sleepwalking, she found herself wandering out into the plains of Nevada, where she came across something that she had never uh, seen before. A creature out in the wilderness that seemed unnatural in nature and sparked Court's interest in things that can't be explained. What kind of creature was that? Court had an encounter with a skinwalker. The same kind of skinwalker that we're familiar with in, in our world, but from Native American folklore? The very same. What happened was Court was out uh, in the plains, like I said, kind of experiencing the night sky, the vivid stars and the cool air across her face when she heard the cry for help coming out from the darkness. Um was that of a man in obvious distress uh, crying out over and over again, please, someone help me. Please, someone help me. Court naturally wanted to make sure this person was all right. So she started approaching from where the sound came from. She kept hearing, please, someone help me. Please, someone help me. And even in Court's 
altered mental state, she did pick up on the fact that with each call, the inflection remained the same. There was no wince. There was no cry of a different type. It was always the same and always sounded the same. And this sent chills up Court's spine. So she stopped moving. She actually started to backpedal a little bit. And again, she heard, please, someone help me. Please, someone help me. But that last time, it was closer. And with each call, it became closer and louder and sounded less and less human. Until, just barely on the edge of Court's vision, she saw something lumbering over her. Something easily eight feet tall, looking almost like a man. It was hard to tell. Because, well, Court only saw for an instant before she turned tail and sprinted back. On the horizon, she could see the lights of the circus, but behind her, she heard the thumping of heavy footsteps and the cry, Please, someone help me. And this has been Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark with Ryan Daler. Thank you very much for joining us. <laughs> no, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's, oh, sorry, I got into no, it. No, no, I love it. Yeah, um, that was and good. And said that we're not a horror podcast. <laughs> Court has this encounter out in the, the wilderness of Nevada. And then what? It seems like that would be the kind of thing that would scar somebody, especially given that she was sleepwalking during all of this. In order to kind of avoid the mental scarring that came with this encounter, uh, Gort chalked up this experience to a really bad hallucination. That became a little harder to accept, though, as the coming days, she kept hearing the same voice, the same call, just on the wind. Uh, and every time she would be like, mm, that's not right. That's I'm, I'm obviously just still sleep deprived. But with every day that passed where she stayed in this state, it just got closer and more clear. And then the circus moved on. The voice stopped. But whenever the circus stayed in one place for too long, it would always come back. and It would always find her. And she would see glimpses of the thing out of the corner of her eyes. But she could never peg it down. And with all these coincidences, Port came to the conclusion that something is out there. And she's going to find out what it is before it catches her. All right, cool. So not only does your world have this incredibly dark, sleep-based, authoritarian style of structure that stomps on on the lower class, it's got literal monsters. <laughs> I mean, you said the same thing twice, but yeah. <laughs> is it like hunting her? Court believes it is. Maybe it just still needs some help. Uh, that. That is a possibility that got that crossed Court's yeah. mind one time. Maybe it just wants to go shopping, it like it oh. needs help picking out shoes, or yes. it can't zip up its yeah, dress. The, like, please, someone help yeah. me! It's walking backwards. You have the zipper. Yeah. I need to find some sensible pumps. Please, someone help me! Yeah, please, someone help me! <laughs> All right, yeah, actually, I think you guys finally <laughs> nailed crack, Court's story. That was pretty much yeah. it. Okay, let's take a look at Court through the lens of her character sheet. Uh, we're going to break down the individual sections of her character sheet, including distinctions, relationships, our new section values, and her specialties, uh, as well as her SFX. So let's start at the top here. We have three distinctions for court. The first is what could go wrong. Can you tell me a little bit about what this tells us about court? So court 
over time has become more of a free spirit when it comes down to trying different things. Court lives under the uh, impression that you can you should try anything at least one time and other things several times in a row. Um, <laughs> so the what could go wrong kind of encapsulates Court's want to try the first thing that comes to mind to solve a problem. And how about the second distinction, light on my feet, fast to act? So Court, when uh, she ended up joining the circus, uh, became a acrobat and a clown. So Court actually is quite agile in nature. So when things hit the metaphorical fan, Court is able to use quick reflexes to uh, jump at the chance to solve them. I like that. And I love the detail that she used to be a clown, given kind of how you've played her to this point in in the show. (laughs) It's very fitting. Our last distinction is something is watching. I think I probably Mm -hmm. know what that relates to, but do you want to let us know? Yeah, uh, it's the government. No, (laughs) Um, Something is watching is actually Court's tie to the supernatural. Court has some paranoia that comes from the skinwalker that is stalking her. So whenever anything gets a little weird, that's when something is watching kicks in for court. Let's move on to relationships. We have the typical relationships that you have with cast, um, but I wanted to call out the one special relationship the court has with the traveling circus. What kind of relationship does she have with that circus? Um, so it's kind of like an adoptive family for court. While she was pushed out of her nuclear family she found acceptance in this band of strangers that have all come together to make a home okay i like it i'm not going to call out each one of these values but i wanted to call out the one that you marked as a d12 for court the values that we have available are artistry faith justice loyalty pragmatism redemption and self-preservation Court has a D12 in loyalty, which meant that you had to make sacrifices in several of the other categories to get that to the level that it's at. What makes loyalty so important for Court, and how does that manifest in her day-to-day life? Loyalty was not always something that was important to Court. Growing up, there was a lot of self-preservation. It was all about hiding who she was uh, out of fear of being rejected, and one day that fear came to a head and was shown to court. But after joining the circus and time after time being surprised by the generosity and love of those around her kind of grew to encapsulate the same feeling. Uh, Once you earn court's trust, you will have no stronger ally, uh, no one better to watch your back, and you will truly always have a friend. I like it. I think that's a a nice detail for court. Let's move on to your specialties. We're going to cover the major first. You've chosen athlete and metaphysicist. Can you tell me why those two specifically? Uh, So athlete was quite easy for me to pick just for the fact that court spends a lot of time on her feet. She is always practicing different acrobatic acts, different contortions or ways to surprise, awe, shock, or entertain people. Uh, So as a result, she is quite athletic. Metaphysicist actually comes from all of her research that she has started pouring into the thing chasing her. If there's anything that sounds remotely like a creature going bump in the night, Court probably has some knowledge about it. 
And then our minor specialties for court are scoundrel and artist. Can you shed a little bit more light on those? Definitely. So I'll start with scoundrel. The reason I went with that is because in court's world, what she does, the act of sleepwalking, is akin to taking drugs. She values the perception of people much higher than the actual law itself. As a result, she's picked some locks, uh, barred some doors, knocked out a few people, you know, minor things. There's one time with arson, but we'll talk about that later. Ah. <laughs> okay. When it comes down to artist, Court really enjoys expressing herself through contortionism. She finds it as a way to kind of connect with people using her physical body, getting people to be surprised and amazed at how she's able to move opens up an avenue of different ways to approach people. It's hard to be stoic when someone has managed to bend over backwards to impress you. Let's move on to the special effects that you've chosen. Your hindrance mm -hmm. is called Make It a Show. Yes. Let's talk about why that name for a hindrance. So uh, Court tends to do everything at the number of 11 out of 10. So sometimes court will take unnecessary risks in order to make things flashy. So making it a show in order to entertain others can sometimes lead to some pretty nasty results. All right, that's fair. And your next special effect is called court gesture. This one reads, when you fail on your turn, I'm assuming on a check, the next ally to go gains a plot point. Yes. Court has found ways to fail in spectacular fashion. So sometimes when things get tense, having a breath of fresh air or even a small chuckle can kind of invigorate you. So when court can't do something, she props someone else up to be able to do it. Great. And the last special effect that you have is called supporting cast. This one is one of the more expensive special effects that we have on the show. And that's spend three plot points to step up two dice of an ally by one. I'm sensing a theme here, but why don't you tell me a little bit about supporting cast? <laughs> Yes. Um, so supporting cast is court putting someone else in the limelight. She will do whatever it takes in order to make sure everyone that she cares about has their moment. So if that means getting into the right position, setting up traps, or even uh, leading a conversation to a certain way, court will find a way to make sure you succeed at something. Great. I think that ties back beautifully to the D12 that you placed in loyalty. It all rhymes in a very pleasing manner. I want to thank you very much, Ryan, for joining us today to discuss Court and the world that she comes from. We will be back next time to discuss the world of whatever goes in here. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Pleasure as always. This has been Riven on the Rift. Join us next time as we discuss Patty's character, Jenny Thomas, in a world where Walt Disney never rose to prominence. Instead, Timothy Geisel, better known as Dr. Seuss, took his place. Thank you, and bye. What's in the Rift and Riffin' on the Rift are Gas Station Drugs Productions.